Good morning, Bryce. Good morning. I am excited we get to finish this series together. And one of the things that I'm excited about, the reason why, one of the many reasons why I like to tag team teach with you is this, because you're a, a local businessman who loves Jesus. I try. <laughs> yes, I try. And, I, and I love that. Yeah. So if you don't know Bryce, Bryce and his family um, were on our uh, launch team as we began this church, and uh, they volunteered and came on board, and you have driven many screws into uh, this building. Just don't tell them which ones. <laughs> well, yours are straighter than mine. I know this. But so anyway, I'm excited that we get to finish uh, this series together. Uh, last week, Easter, I love Easter. I enjoy Easter. Um, I, I love the fact that uh, what it means, what it's all about. I like that buildup, but I also have a little bit of a struggle with Easter. Um, here's what I mean by that. Easter is a big event. We look forward to it. We get ready for it. But when that event is uh, here, it then has an end, a very specific end. And for me, um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Christmas Day. So with Christmas... Um, Here's what it looks like at my house. And, and Bryce, yeah, let's multiply that. And it's what it's like at yeah, Bryce's yeah, house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a huge deal. I love <clears throat> Christmas. We set up at least three Christmas trees in our house. Um, and it is quite the ordeal. Sometimes four, but at least three. <laughs> not counting those two little Christmas tree looking things on our front porch. Inside the house, three trees. And we decorate, we decorate, we love it, we enjoy it. Um, she loves it. She enjoys it. <laughs> but we, I, I love the result. I love, you know, I just love the Christmas season. And then we have Christmas morning. Tell me a little bit about Christmas morning at your house or <laughs> okay. whenever y'all do presents yeah, and yes. stuff. Yes, it's Christmas morning. Okay. Uh, there's nine of us, seven kids. So uh, we got all the presents out and I'm the guy and Lisa is also this way. I've already got the trash bag out. And as they're unwrapping the presents, I'm putting it in the trash bag because the first year the struggle was real when it was all just all over the living room and you don't know if you're throwing toys away. <laughs> An hour later, like, where's the dolly stroller? You're like, uh -huh. it's probably in the trash. I don't you know. You know how so, easy it is to lose a gift card in all that oh, mess? Yes. Yes, yes. So you're out, out there. You're, once it's over, I know for us, I mean, that's it. I mean, it, it feels like we end up with a couple dozen trash bags out by the side of the road. It also feels like by the time we're done, especially the next day, everybody's already bored with everything they got. And um, if you have littles, then they're probably already broken by the next day, whatever they got. So it I, once Christmas happens and the big event, I'm ready. I mean, it's, it's over. It's time to get that stuff boxed up and put up. It's in the rear view mirror. We are done with that. It's over. Let's get it packed up. And so now, I guess, uh, now Christmas is walking yeah. all the way to the attic and we get it put up and that's where it then stays until next year. So sometimes for me, Easter feels a little bit like that. Um, all the planning, the anticipation, then we have Sunday. It was Easter Sunday last week. And then we finish the event. It's done. Um, and then from there, it just that feeling, it's time to move on. You know, there's another 364 days in the year. It's time to get busy and move on with those. That was just one day. And sure, yes, absolutely, it was a special day. 
but that day is over. It's one day, it's over, it's gone. And we can set all that aside and we can, you know, pick that up again next year. Yeah, and Harley, I'm sure that for most of us in here, it's exactly like that. We go through the same emotions, the same process. I know at our house, it's, you hope all the eggs have been found. Usually you find a few more throughout the year under a bush with some bad chocolate in it or something. The baskets are put up, uh, the leftovers are eaten, or they're in the refrigerator still looking like a science project. Can I add one thing? You can add um, all you want. So I, when I was growing up, we actually hid real eggs. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and we, uh, my mom was always praying that it wasn't raining outside because then they would get hid inside. And, but, you know, there's always the eggs you can't find, right? And if it's outside, it's always the one that's in the bumper of the car. <laughs> Back in the day, we didn't have those solid bumpers. We had those big bumpers that go around, and you could loop one right there, and it stayed there until it rotted. And you, oh, yeah, that's where that was. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. Sorry. That was a that was a good good story. Um, you're old, we didn't do real eggs, so we didn't have that problem. Yes. It's just old candy the kids trying to eat. Yes. Uh, but that you know, Easter done. Check the box. It's over. Yes. And now we're all sitting around like. What do we do now? Yeah. Easter's over. I don't know. I'm not going to wait all the way to Christmas. What do we do now? <laughs> and see, for the last three weeks here, we've been looking at Hope Walking. Yeah. We have followed him. We've watched it. We've looked at it. We've been very encouraged by it. But what now? What do we do now? Do I go back home, get my remote, sit on the couch, flip through 300 channels trying to find something to either entertain me or at least not depress me? Uh, Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Do I get back on Facebook and start, or Instagram or whatever your choice is, and start scrolling through and, oh, look what Justin had for supper last night. Or, <laughs> oh, look, another softball tournament. I mean, do we go back to that? What do we do? Does everything go back to normal? Is that what happens? What's next? Do I just go back to my default setting like Easter never happened? But don't you think for the followers of Jesus... They probably felt this way too. The day after the first Easter, they're sitting around going, okay, guys and girls, what's next? Yeah, that was the first one. So let's come all the way back here to 2022. So there's been a couple thousand of these-ish. I don't know how many, I haven't counted, but there's been a lot. A lot of Easter's back home to today, 2,000 years later, about uh, Easter was last Sunday, we're, and we agree. Easter is pretty much a big deal. And what we celebrate at Easter is what has changed the world. So we agree with that, most of us. But now we're seven days later, past Easter. What does that now mean for us? What does it mean for us on seven days after Easter? And then what about what will it mean maybe for us 34 days after Easter? And then maybe when we hit 350 days after Easter, what does that mean for us? Is it all just packed up in the attic and just kind of waiting now for us for Easter with 2023? Yeah, or maybe you're sitting in here and for you, Easter just, it's really not that significant, not that big of a deal. Maybe for you, you're just still unsure. Is Easter really that important? I mean, what do I do with Jesus? Was he really the son of God? Was he just a good man? Did he even really exist? I mean, what do I do with Easter? That may be where you are. But you do live around those people who love Easter. I mean, they love some Easter. Facebook posts constantly, you see, oh, there's another set of three crosses. There's another <laughs> set. There's an empty tomb. You see it for the week ahead of time. You see all the Bible verses. And heaven forbid you run into one of those people at the grocery store, right? 
You hadn't seen them in months, but they're there. Hey, hey, go to church with me this Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. I need you to go to church with me. This Sunday, please go to church with me. I'll mow your yard. I'll do your windows. Man. Just come to church this Sunday. I need to please. meet that person. You need to, yeah, you need to run to that person. <laughs> mow my yard. But they're just begging you to come to church. Yes. But you see them the other 364 days. Not the same person. For some reason, the next Sunday is not as important. It was that one Sunday they really wanted you there. Next Sunday, not that important. They're also cutting you off in traffic. <laughs> Right? Same people. They probably would have let me in on Sunday, Easter Sunday. Probably so, yeah. Yeah, it's Easter. You can can come over. Um, You see a guy with a Jesus fish on his car, and he will not let you merge. You need to get over, and the guy with the Jesus fish is not letting you over. I took the Jesus fish off. I did too. I did too. I quit. When that fad happened, I was like, Jesus doesn't need me representing him on the interstate. That's not really what we need. Or... That person is doing 60 in the left lane on the interstate. Oh. That, yeah. That person invited you to church. You're like, that's that fool that invited me to the Easter service. Or they got a Jesus is my homeboy bumper sticker. They're over there at the two-lane drive-thru at McDonald's. You see them. They see you order before them, but they still nudge their way ahead of you. Oh. And you're like, Jesus is not your homeboy. You let me get in line where I'm supposed to be. But these are the same people. They seem to only look out for themselves, these people who are excited about Easter. They really only love to listen to and be around the people that look like them, that talk like them, that act like them. They really only love and want to listen to people who have the same values as them. And you're probably really not sure if you want to be part of that club. Because let's be honest, do you really want to give up one of your weekend days to get up early and go hang out with those people for an hour on Sunday? Is that really something you want to do? You've interacted with them. Do you want to do it for another hour (laughs) with a group of people just like them? I mean, is that really what you want to do? But regardless of how you feel about Easter, we can all agree on this. It's over. Easter is over. And regardless of where you fall on the spectrum of how significant is Easter, most of us respond to Easter the same way. It's simply over. It is Monday. Life is just back to normal. You know, and, and honestly, as I hear you say all that, I, I can't help but think that it's very possible that those first followers of Jesus maybe felt a little bit that way too, maybe a little, that like hey, Easter's over. He's alive. Jesus is around. So, <laughs> Somewhere. Great. Okay. He died. He came back. I'm not exactly sure where he is right now, but I know he is here somewhere because I saw him and it's awesome. (laughs) Awkward pause. Crickets. Who wants to go fishing? (laughs) (laughs) Those first followers, they just went right back to what they knew. And I can't blame them. I I mean, and at least for those seven, those seven who were fishermen, they went right back to fishing. Yeah, and John was a fisherman by trade, so he was with them. And he tells us what happens a few days after the resurrection in John chapter 21, verses 3 through 5. And he says this, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. 
So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. And that probably sounds familiar to some of y'all. Y'all, y'all uh, can relate to that. I, I'm not a fisherman. I've gone a couple of times. I'm five minutes in and I'm out. So not my thing. But these guys, they've been fishing all night, caught nothing. Then verse four, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellas, y'all caught any fish? And last week, Cole pointed something out that I think is really cool. Many times in the New Covenant, you see Jesus, usually with sarcasm, poking at his disciples a little bit. You know, they're not understanding something, so he jabs them with a little sarcasm. And that really speaks to me, of course. <laughs> but I think that's happening here. Because when you look at this, that word fellows, if what they heard in their language is, hey, little fellas. <laughs> that's what that word means. So I can see Jesus right now standing on that shore, watching them fish and doing terrible. They're not catching anything. And I can see him with a smirk on his face go, hey, little fellas, y'all caught any fish yet? <laughs> and then he gives them some fishing advice. And then guess what happens? They start catching fish. So Jesus was not only the Savior, he's a real renaissance yeah, man. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, he could fish, carpentry, walk on water. I mean, he could do it all. But something interesting happens. John, he's in the boat. And he's thinking to himself, you know what, about three years ago, there was a man, we were fishing, and he gave us some advice, just, that's Jesus. That's Jesus standing there on the beach. I mean, it, it dawns yeah. on him, that's Jesus. And then Peter, who tends to be a little rash, we've talked about Peter a lot the last few weeks, he instantly gets dressed, which brings about a lot of questions, <laughs> first of all. Why is Peter getting dressed? Maybe that's why the fish weren't biting. I don't know. But Peter, Peter gets dressed, he jumps in, he swims to shore, then the other guys, they're pulling the net in. I can only imagine, like, there goes Peter getting out of work again. He, they knew yeah, it. they knew. <laughs> I knew Peter was going to bail when we started having to bring the fish in. But John, back to uh, chapter 21, verse 9, he says, When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Now, again, something very interesting. That didn't just appear. Jesus was already preparing breakfast for them. Now, what strikes me is God in human form, the Son of God, has already died. He's already resurrected, and he's still serving his people. That's still what he's doing. And we see that in verse 13. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he has been raised from the dead. And this moment is a snapshot of what Jesus did the next 40 days, the days after their Easter. Hope was still walking for 40 days here on the earth. And Dr. Luke, he describes those, those 40 days starting here in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. And it says, During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. His followers were able to walk with him. They were able to talk with him. They were able to touch him. They were even able to eat with him. Jesus gave them infallible proof. He was alive, flesh and blood, alive. He showed up this way for his disciples and many of his followers. One time he even showed up to 500 people at one time. And those hundreds and hundreds of people, they had zero doubt that that was Jesus alive in the flesh because they touched him, they ate with him, and they walked with him. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. Now, Luke goes on and he describes some other things that happened during that 40 days. So they did that. And then 
he also, it, the Bible tells, Luke tells us, uh, he says, and he, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Now, this kind of sounds insignificant, but this is so important. Jesus talked to them about kingdom of God type things. These are all the things that Jesus had just lived as he was walking with them for those three years. And he demonstrated all of that. So now he's talking about this kingdom of his, which is absolutely opposite from the kingdom in which they lived then and, king, and opposite from our kingdoms today. Uh, his kingdom was opposite. So from the kingdom that, that Peter had been experiencing and, and John and James and all the followers of Jesus, it was completely different. It was a kingdom that was upside down from the world in which they lived. See, our experiences and, and uh, their experiences are ones where if there's a kingdom or even a government, it almost seems like the kingdoms have leaders or kings or, uh, uh, or officials who are taking from people. They, Jesus described it as uh, people who lord their authority over other people. So they kind of have it over their heads. They're looking out for number one as leaders. That's all they knew in their kingdoms. And, and we see that even today. Um, leaders who do what they want to do when they want to do it. And they do that how they want to do it. That's what the disciples experienced. Kings who would take from people. And this is so important, but the kingdom that Jesus is talking about, the king actually gave his life for his subjects. He turned the other cheek. He is the one who said when he was being tortured and crucified, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Wow, that's pretty different. But i got to be honest, sometimes we look at that scenario and what Jesus is describing, and sometimes we say, you know what, that sounds kind of weak. Mm -hmm. It's like, Jesus, come on, why are you going to let them treat you that way? But if anyone has ever themselves tried to live that kind of life, that turn the other cheek kind of life, that father forgive them kind of life, I think we discover pretty quickly it's not weak at all. It actually, to do that, takes enormous strength that is way beyond the strength that we have. And that, that is the kingdom of God. Wow, that, that kind of kingdom, that sounds, oh, that sounds good. That kind of kingdom, that, to me, that sounds like good news. I think I would like that kind of kingdom. And it's good to imagine a king who loved me and loved you so much that he would lay his life down for everyone who's in that kingdom. That sounds like good news. Yeah, and in fact, that's what Paul reminds us of. He calls it the core of the good news. And it's what we celebrated seven days ago when we celebrated Easter. And Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 6, and this is what he says. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. 
It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe in the message I told you. Now, catch this. This is a very, very serious warning he gives us here next. Unless, of course, you believed in something that was never true in the first place. In other words, Paul is saying, now listen, you've got to be careful that what you believe in, what you're following, it is the true good news. It's not a counterfeit or perverted version of it. And they had plenty of it back then, and boy, do we not have a shortage of it today. Yeah. There is plenty of it for us to follow today. And Paul continues in verse 3, I passed on to you what is most important and what has also been passed on to me. So Paul's getting ready to tell us exactly what is this good news uh, that needs to not be perverted, needs to not be changed. And he gives it to us in list form almost. And here's what he says next. This is the real deal, he's saying. So make sure anything you believe that this is the core. He says this, number one, Christ died for our sins. And he describes that just as the scriptures say. He did it just like they said. Two, he was buried and was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures say. And then he gives us the next one, verse five, three. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. And then as, as Bryce already said, not just them, but then we see later that he was seen by hundreds and hundreds of people. And verse 6, he tells us about it. After that, he was seen by even more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of whom, Paul says, are still, are still alive, though some have died. In other words, Paul is saying to the people he's speaking to at that time, he's saying, listen, most of these people are all still alive. And they will all, go ask them, they will all tell you, this is the good news. This is the gospel. That Jesus, died, Jesus came and, and he's God, he died. And that three days later he rose again. And he has proven it by showing himself alive and well to all these people. And, and Paul is like saying, you can go, go talk to him. Go see for yourself. And then here's the really good news. He says, that's it. That is the core. Those three elements are the core of the good news. And the kingdom of heaven is filled with, and I would say also starts with, filled with and starts with that good news. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the beach. Uh, the men are there. They've been fishing. Jesus told them, cast your net. They got their fish caught. They're in. He's cooked them breakfast. Now they are eating breakfast with the Son of God resurrected on the beach. I mean, could it get any better? Then this happens. Biscuits and gravy. Biscuits perhaps. and gravy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Jesus, could you have done it and brought some biscuits and gravy? Um, then this happens. Three times Jesus says the same thing to Peter. We're going to start in John chapter 21, verse 17. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And I want, this, this strikes me. It has nothing to do with this, but I think it's kind of cool that that's how many times Peter denied Jesus. Mm -hmm. And now Jesus is mm -hmm. saying, it's got to be in Peter's mind, he's asking me three times the same, yeah. you know, it's got to yeah. be on his mind. Yeah, without a doubt. And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Three times Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And three times Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. Three times. Is that not the good news? And here are implications of that conversation for us. 
If we love God, then we are to go out and love others. And all this love, all this love, it starts with the good news. And that very good news that says Jesus died for us, that says he, Jesus walked out of the tomb for us, and that also says that he proved it to eyewitnesses, and I would say not just for them, but for us today. But that good news has some implications, as Bryce said. Because now, if we do love him, then that means we're going to get up and we're going to go and love others. Those are the implications. And when we choose to do that, then we also become hope walking. Because when we love others and we love others with that good news that we just talked about, then that means we are in the process of walking hope straight to them in human form. Yeah, and for 40 days, Jesus went walking around proving he was alive and talking about his kingdom. Hope was walking for 40 days. And then his followers, they saw hope float. And not the movie, it wasn't in cinema, it wasn't in the cinema yet, that's not what they watched. What they saw was, at the end of the 40 days, Jesus ascended, he just went up to heaven. Yeah. And he did it right in front, I mean, they saw it right there, went to heaven. And I don't want to let that pass that you just made a reference to one of my favorite movies, Hope Floats. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so now we think about the disciples standing there at that moment. They're standing there. Um, and it feels like we're right back where we left off. That's got to be part of what they're thinking. All right. He's gone. Here we go again. Here we go again. What do we do now? But they didn't do that this time. This time, they knew exactly what to do. Fishing. <laughs> but this time, they go fishing Jesus style. They're going to go fishing for people. How exactly, Bryce, do we know that well, that's what he said? Because before Jesus ascends to heaven... He tells them this, and luckily, well, not luckily, we know why God did it. Matthew recorded it for us. Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. So please don't miss this. Before hope left, he sent hope walking again. And from now on, hope is walking through us. Yeah, and that's true. Even from then, even still true today, this very moment. If you have chosen to become a follower of Jesus, then that means, according to Jesus, you are now hope walking. And 2,000 years ago, that was irresistible good news. And the movement that Jesus started became known as the way, and that movement exploded. Yeah, and people started following Jesus, and on one specific day, Luke tells us about 3,000 people that were baptized and began following Jesus. The good news was so good, it was irresistible. And today, it's the same good news, and guess what? It is still irresistible. But it is very possible that for some of you, the news you've experienced, it's really not that good. It's not that 
irresistible. So as a result, some of you have walked away from the good news because ultimately it really didn't seem all that good. Yeah. Now, if that's you this morning, number one, we are so glad that you're here. Mm. But if you walked away from faith or you know someone else in your life, in your family who's walked away from faith, um, someone you care about, please, please, please don't miss what we're getting ready to say. Because probably you walked away or they walked away not from hope walking, but instead they walked away from Harley walking. You walked away from the wrong story, not the story of Jesus, not, but you've instead walked away from the story that we have modeled for you or someone has modeled for you, and they lived that out in front of you. And too often, it is my story that I'm living, and it's not hope walking that I'm living. Too often, when people see me, they see me. That's the problem. They don't see Jesus. They see me. They see Harley walking, not hope walking. It's a story, Harley walking, that includes revenge when somebody does me wrong or getting even. It's a story that includes telling people what I think. It's a world of being jealous even if someone else is successful, it's a world thinking that, man, life is not fair. It's a world where people struggle to get ahead and to make it. It's a world where maybe you're secretly hoping that someone else fails just so that I don't feel like the only failure. And that is a broken world. And that is a broken story. And it can all be summed up with this phrase, I'm living a me first kind of life. And it's a world that says, yeah, I'll help you, but only if it really helps me. And that world is no different than, than any other kingdom that is out there today. Any of our experiences, it's just like that every day, everywhere on the earth. Those are the kingdoms that we see. And yeah, you're right. That does not seem like good news. But that is not God's kingdom because his kingdom is unilaterally different than any other kingdom in all the world. Any kingdom that we have experienced or those followers of Jesus experienced. So if you walked away from the good news, you probably actually walked away from my story, not from his story. If the good news is not good news to you, it's probably because you have been reading the wrong news. You've been reading the tabloids, and that's just Harley's news. That's fake news. It's certainly not God's good news. So, Christ followers, those of you who've been here today who say, yes, that's me, I follow Jesus. Do you know what that means? Well, we have to realize that we are the only good news they see. And that is not by accident. That is by God's design. In eternity past, God designed it to work this way. When Jesus said to us, go, make disciples. Go, love, and feed my sheep. He is sending hope walking again. But this time, 
It's not him, it's us. We're the hope walking. So the question that has to be asked of each one of us, each one of us in here this morning who says, yes, I am a follower of Jesus, we have to ask, am I hope walking? Moment by moment, am I making the choice to be hope walking? So literally, inside your mind right now, please don't raise your hand or say it out loud, we're seriously asking, Bryce is asking that of himself, I'm asking that of me, and we're asking that of you, are you? Are you hope walking if you're following Jesus? Or are you still hardly walking or yourself walking? So here we are, seven days after Easter. What happened four days after Easter on Thursday? What happened on last Thursday? And what's going to happen 34 days after Easter? I didn't look up that date. <laughs> But what's going to happen for you? What's going to happen for you 350 days after Easter? Here's the big point. There is no day after Easter. Every day is Easter. Every day we must choose to live in the kingdom of God. And it is opposite of all the kingdoms of this world. So it's not a me first it's a you first world. And as we do this, as we make that choice, we are living the good news. The good news, remember, that says that Jesus is God who came and died for the sins of the world. And he walked out of the tomb alive. And he was seen by everyone who uh, he presented himself for everyone to see him so that all of those who are left, which includes me and you, all of us have the choice to follow him so that we can then live in his kingdom forever. But when we do that, what's next? Well, we do exactly what Jesus told John and what Jesus told Peter and what Jesus told James and all the others. We do that. Bryce read it. I want to read it again. Therefore, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And then here's how he ended it. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said, I'm still hope walking. I'm still here. And now you're hope walking if you're following Jesus. He said, I'm not leaving you alone. This, all of this, is irresistibly good news. So, let's, let's be hope walking. And let's do it every single day. Let's pray. Jesus... You died for us, and you walked out of the tomb for us, and I am so thankful, and I do pray that for all of those who have submitted their lives to you, that we just won't go back to life as usual, as normal, that God will go out there and will love others. We'll show them the way to your kingdom. 
God, now you've asked us to be hope walking. And may we take that as seriously as you do. Jesus, we need your help. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things.